everyone and welcome to the third episode of At Jerry Talks. We are honored to have with us today Ife Osaga Odondo, the head of legal for Google in the Sub-Saharan African region. Um, I also have Shem with us, um, Shem Otanga, who is a partner with me at Kieti Advocates, who will co-host with me today. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Good to see you again after a while. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks. for Actually, it's an honor to be here. I'm glad to, you know, to just uh, be with you here today. And I've known both of you for many years, so it's great to not only be here uh, on, you know, not to only meet socially, but also on when you're doing serious things like this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and it's actually very funny to see you in a serious capacity, because if anyone knows you, you're the bubbliest, funniest, out out there person. Yeah, um, so also very serious. But very, are you, are you, and you have a very serious title to match. So thank you so much, Ife, for joining us. And I'm really, really so happy to have you here. And um, we always start with three quick fire questions. I have four for you today. And I want to ask you, first of all, Ife, how did you get your name? You're a Kenyan, you're a Kenyan girl, correct? Yes, I'm Kenyan. Yeah. I'm glad you know that because most people think I'm Nigerian before they talk to me. Yeah, because Ife is Nigerian. Yeah, it's, a, it's a Nigerian name. name yeah. yeah. No, it's just that um, my parents um, thought that um, my, my mother... Um, is African American and she felt that her heritage might be from West Africa and so all of us have you know Nigerian names yeah yeah did yeah. you find was it strange for you at school or how did, did people were like what does that mean you know no actually for a long time nobody really cared about the name until the advent of Nollywood and Nigerian movies <laughs> and suddenly everybody's are you Nigerian I was like you've been <laughs> living with me for 10 years how have I suddenly become Nigerian and even I would go to immigration and when I'd give my Kenyan passport they say madam where were you Niger <laughs> <laughs> but Kenyan to yeah. the core. Yeah, Kenyan to the core, b- mm-hmm. born and raised. But as I said, it, it, it wasn't an issue until you know everybody began to watch um, Nollywood movies. And yeah. so authentically Nigerian, authentically Kenyan as well. Uh, yeah, you could say that. Okay. <laughs> Tell us, um, if you, how did you come to be a, a lawyer? What drew you to the law, and why did you choose law in the first place? So it's interesting. I've always known that I wanted to be a lawyer all my life. You know, and then I remember my dad saying, you know, we don't have any engineers in the family, so I have two years of trying saying that I'd want to be an aeronautical engineer but in the end I was like I just want to be a lawyer I used to talk too much and the thing is I didn't talk for until age three my wow they're like oh my god we have to take her to a speech therapist and then when I talked I didn't stop talking you know (laughs) but I I always knew and for me it's it's it's, I I, it's not even the issue of you know saying lots of things it's the issue of justice for me it's it's something I feel strongly about you know and I I felt you know as as I grew older and I would see situations of injustice like you know I want to be able to be in a position where I can do something about it cool if I um I don't I don't know where to start with your career path I know that you've been a teacher Mm-hmm. Um, you've just told us that you own your own law firm. Yeah. Um, you've been working in international organizations all your life. Tell us, I mean, if I tell you, what what would you say led you to the path of being at Google now? Um, can you give us a bit of your background history? Yeah, it's a very unconventional path to Google, to be honest, because um, I, I, I have had one career change. I actually started out as a corporate lawyer in Nairobi. Um, I did that for about a year, then I joined UNITR. And when I joined UNITR, I thought to myself, I like doing other things other than law because um, whereas I worked in in legal in the legal protection department I you know you, you I got exposed to a lot of other things and so after two years at UNICEF I was like oh I'm going to go do a degree in international development and so I actually went and did a degree in international development okay. a master's degree mm-hmm. and then after that I worked as a program manager um, for Oxfam America in Boston in the US and I didn't work with lawyers I just I mostly worked with sociologists and you know and and you know really it was um, really not lots of legal work and it was at that point that I realized that I actually 
prefer to just be a lawyer you know because i found that you know at least in law you had a clear black or white line because you had law that said a b c d and and that is where you based your behavior based on that very definite thing and so after i did that i said to go back to law school to do my master's yeah and that's when i started my second career you know really of doing legal work so yeah. um, i worked at the world bank i worked at um a research think tank in new york called um innovations for poverty action and then joined google but interestingly enough um uh, you know i i feel like all the experiences i had in those different jobs have prepared me to be the sort of lawyer i am it, it was never a waste you know because one of the things i did was i uh, i i worked um cross regionally i mean cross actually i like i worked um not only in africa but asia and latin america and the experiences that i had you know um working in those regions have been very important to shaping me to be the lawyer that i am and the way that i think so it wasn't like a, a linear path that i planned for me what i have always done is when opportunities present themselves i try you know um it's really just been courageous and sometimes i think oh my god what is this i'm doing i mean it's 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 very scary and 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 I'm very nervous but in life you just have to try i'm so i'm so glad you're saying that because yeah. you know as you as you know me and chama have just joined and <laughs> just become partners yeah and yeah. it is uh, it's an act of bravery it's, an, it's stepping yeah. out uh, out of yourself really yeah. Yeah. um into something courageous and so i'm glad you're saying that in terms of um the, the the path i think you you've said it correctly everything that you do matches up to, to something in total yeah. um and you know you, you're a demonstration of the fact that you can have many versions of a career and not just stay mm -hmm. stick to one path yeah. um what makes you a good lawyer um what do you think distinguishes you as a lawyer so i think really um um it's it's a core skills or for example i think like one of my strengths is creative thinking and problem solving like yeah. for me i i i not, not only do i think i'm great at it i also enjoy it you know if i i'm i i cannot wait to solve or delve into an issue when it's presented to me and 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 i'm you know and and you know and because of the experiences that i've had and uh, you know experience you really can't replace experience i've seen lots of things and i've seen how lots of things work so you know i'm, I'm i always have an idea about how things might go and it guides me in my decision making yeah. So I think that's one of my things. The other thing that has been also great for me is, is relationship building. I think relationships are key, you know. Um, relationships are key in the sense that I, I think that I can get more out of my outside counsel if we have a good relationship. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Because outside counsel will be able to pick up my call at 11 when I have a crisis yeah. mm -hmm. and will go out of their way to do yeah. something extra mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. So I think that another key thing that has, you know, made me a good lawyer is really my relationships and not only with lawyers but all across the board. Even like in my day-to-day -day work, a relationship with the business. If the business trusts you, then they will actually actually involve you very early on and you're able to provide the right advice at the right time and make sure you know everything um is a success yeah. so just yeah some of those some of the some of those are the i mean even factors, even yeah. sitting with you now you have a real zest for life yeah. i think that i mean that's an excellent answer for that Thank question you. <laughs> um I know that you're passionate about it. You've also been a teacher before. Yeah. Um, you taught at Tufts. Yes, um, and at Boston University. Yeah. I actually started at McKinney College many, 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 many years ago. I taught the law class. Let's keep it. <laughs> let's keep it. So you started in Kenya, then taught in America as yes, well. Yes, yes, um, yes. If I tell you teaching, you know, if I finish the sentence for me, teaching mm. has taught me. You know, that you're never too young to learn, you know what I mean, to learn something new. So what, one, one thing I like about teaching is that I'm always impressed by the curiosity of the students, you know, and their, and their hope and their, you know, ability to have no restrictions in the way they think. Because as we grow older, sometimes we become jaded and we think, oh my God, we can't do this. And then you come across this young student who has no idea of what the future holds or has not come across this situation before. And they are like, no, we can try. Let's try something different. Mm. So I find that teaching keeps 
you young um it keeps you learning you know and i'm inspired you'd think that you know when you're teaching that you are inspiring or imparting knowledge but i have found that even when i taught i learned a lot from my students because they yeah. they had a fresh view a more curious less jaded and you know and yeah and and i and i learned and i grew so you're not teaching anymore well i haven't for a while right. and, and you know what it is um I think it's where I am in, in right. my life, you know, right. because I, I'm at the point where I, I feel that I, I, I want to focus a bit on, on ensuring that my kids are stable, they are, you know, I have teenagers and all, right. and so I, I think that's where I want to put a huge amount of my effort on right. the family, and so between the job and the family, it's, it limits what else I can do, so, you know, at some point I will go back to do it. I always say to my youngest, she's eight years old, that when she goes to college, I'm also going to do my PhDs. We want to talk a bit about career highs and lows. Right. What has been your highest high and your lowest low? Ah, so I, I'm. I think that my my highest high was actually joining Google, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm I I'm really I'm a corporate lawyer. That is my DNA as a lawyer, mm -hmm. you know. And and corporate lawyers are usually generalists because what you do is you work in house and you work on different issues. You don't really specialize on yeah. anything. And and I always thought that you know to join Google you need to be like a specialist tech lawyer, you know. Um, but That's I was the impression most people have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, Google has all sorts of lawyers. We do have those lawyers mm -hmm. who who specialize, you know, in copywriting, yeah. mm -hmm. trademark. And, and that kind of stuff but then you also have room for corporate lawyers who yeah. just ensure that the entities are doing well you know right. and, and and just manage the, the general legal health of the organization so for me I, I always thought that you know I need to you know spend hours coding and stuff like that you know um, and, and so I, I applied for the job and I was like I'd actually applied severally by the way and so when I applied for the job I was like okay I'm gonna try well, what do you mean by severally as in you'd applied many times yes I actually had applied it wasn't the first time, it applied. The first time I applied yeah yeah and and, and uh, I, I remember even uh, uh, there was a time I applied and I said, oh, actually, we're looking for a lawyer who was a tech, um, a yeah. tech mm -hmm. background. I think what I needed was just the right job and the right fit. So it doesn't mean I don't do technology law. Mm. It, it, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the many things I do, I do. But I actually spend more time, a lot of time doing technology law than I did before. And it's something that I hadn't done. Um, uh, I hadn't done much of that before I joined Google. I uh, was general counsel of a, of a research think tank. So I did intellectual property law um, and, and, of course, corporate law, but I really didn't spend time working on technology so when I, uh, you know, had the opportunity to join Google, it was great because it showed me that, you know, you can always pivot your career, you know, if how you, you want, how you want. But I have to tell you, I really prepared for this interview. I read, I, I talked to tell tech me, lawyers. Tell, I, I, you know, tell, I understood. Tell us, what was it? Was it a phone call? Was it an email? How did they tell you, break it to you? I mean, that, that. That must have been the email of your life. It, it was like six or seven interviews, guys. Okay. It took so long. Mm -hmm. In fact, I, at it the does. time, I, 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 I started interviewing because I, my current, my job at the time had sent me to Nairobi on a field assignment to roll out a compliance program all across the, the offices in Africa. So I was in Nairobi for a while. And so when the job came up, I applied when I was in Nairobi. I interviewed and interviewed and interviewed like so many interviews. And then I didn't hear from them. So I packed up my things and I moved back to the US where I was based, you know? Okay. And, mm -hmm. and, and, a week after I'm moving back, I actually get a, a, a you know a message from Google. Say, okay, you've got the job. <laughs> so they called you. Yeah. Yes, they called me. Yeah. The recruiter called me, and I thought to myself, wow, a week after I have left Nairobi. So <laughs> then I had to pack my things again and move back to Nairobi. But that that couldn't have been the highlight. Was the call? So yes, it was. And even the interview process was was quite mm -hmm. tough. And 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 I I have a close friend. I remember when I was interviewing, she told me if I just prepare like you would for an exam or you know. And 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 that's what I said. You know, many people and. I've started job interviews. They, they just show up for the job interview, but really you have to prepare. And the thing about being a lawyer is that um, 
you don't have to know everything. You can't know everything. You must be willing to put in the work to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So even though I, I hadn't spent some time doing tech, much time doing technology law, I spent time learning about the things which were important for the company, you mm-hmm. know, and understanding the legal issues, you know, uh, in, you know that that you know that would be important for Google at the time. And so I was able to talk to the, about them and articulate. I talked to you know several people, you know, just to get some experience for people who actually do this on a regular basis. Yeah. So I, as I said, you know, the, the thing is as a lawyer you must learn completely understood yeah. on that and actually i think even as a, as a corporate lawyer i understand yeah. every transaction you do is a different industry yes but you have to be able to understand Absolutely. exactly what they do the lowest low uh so the lowest low i remember that that, that was in 2008 um, I had just, so I had just sat for the New York bar. I had finished my degree at Columbia Law. I just had uh, uh, given birth to my son. And um, and I thought that, you know, I was in a great space. You know, I've passed the New York bar, I have my degree, and I'm all set. And I remember I had a job offer from a big law firm in New York, um, which I turned down at the time because I thought, oh, you know, I, 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 you know, I was worried about whether I'd, I'd be able to do it because it would require long hours. So I was like, you know, let me look for something that's not as intense because I had a newborn baby. And then the financial crash of 2008 happened, mm-hmm. and I sent out yeah. over 300 job applications, and I couldn't get a job. 300. For, yes, I couldn't get a job. Jeez. I couldn't get a job for over wow eight months. Mm-hmm. You know, and and for me, just the timing of it was really at a time when I thought I was. You know, I had done everything I needed to do to yeah. jumpstart mm-hmm. my legal mm-hmm. career, and mm-hmm. now I can't find a job for eight months. It was a really tough time, and you know, it made me really think, my God, am I gonna be able to go back into law again? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, it was, well, it, in retrospect, it was good for my family. I spent a lot of time with my son. Yeah. You know, uh, um, and uh, I don't know if he remembers, but you know, I was there <laughs> for the first eight months of his life that's all so, the time. That's so funny. That's so funny. But I think things happen for a reason, and you yeah. just have to. The, the, you yeah. can look back in hindsight and and understand that. Um, Ife, what would people be surprised to know about you? I mean, we've discovered so much already, but what would people be surprised to know? You're not going to tell us that you're shy and retiring at no, home. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> what I'm going to tell you, though, is that I used to be a competitive swimmer. Seriously? <laughs> people get shocked because, I mean, over the years, I, you know, I, I, I've gained quite a bit of weight. Ife, please, let's not, let's not, let's not do that. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, and believe it or not, I, I, in my youth, I was quite sporty. Like, I, I was a competitive swimmer, and I'm I'm the type that would run, you know, long distance races. So I'm, I, I'm like, I, for, I'm not fast, but I have endurance. Like mm. I'm the type, of, you know, when I was active, I could do, you know, kilometers and kilometers. I, I'm the type of person who, if I was young and I was in good shape, like I was in my youth, I probably would have done the Comrades Marathon, the 98 km in. Wow. In, that's that's a, yeah. That's what was percent. your stroke? Um, believe it or not, butterfly. Yeah. yeah, I always, yeah. I also swam butterfly. Yeah, butterfly. Actually. Mm-hmm. yeah, and and actually my my race was the four by fifty individual medley, which is like the longest race. Wow. For me, it's endurance. I'm long distance, consistent over long distance. I'm yeah. Not, I'm not a sprinter. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I was quite sporty. I mean, you can't believe it because. I, <laughs> You know, but I, I will change this. There's always time. There's, to o- there's always time. There's always time. You know, um, people who do endurance runs, yeah. it's about mental strength. It's not actually about the power that you have. Yes. So that yes. that goes yes. to show something about you as well. Yeah. Um, oh, so, yeah, I hadn't thought about it that yeah, way. Yeah. yeah, because it, it takes a lot of stamina yeah. mentally to keep yeah. you going. Um, this quick fire round has turned into more than just a quick fire round, but thank you so much. So if I want to get into, you know, Life at work. I mean, you work for one of the most powerful companies in the entire world. 
What is your day-to-day -day life like? So, so days are, are not the same, okay? Sometimes I have really long days where I have meetings from, I don't know, 8, 9, 10, and end at around 8, 9, 10 in the evening. Yeah. It depends, because I, in, I cover Africa, that is my core job, but then the teams that I support sit in Europe and America, and actually mostly in California, which is 11 hours behind right. Kenya. So right. at 7 p.m., California is waking up. So, so usually, um, some days my day really gets busy at 7 p.m. because then I have meetings with um, several teams. Oh. So, as a corporate lawyer, um, and I, I, I really cover abroad. I mean, really, all the legal issues that Google's dealing with in Africa land on my desk. So, um, it, it's a mix of litigation, a mix of um, uh, you know, product casting, corporate law, you know, figuring out how our entities um, are doing, if they're complying, you know, with the relevant rules and regulations. Um, working with our government relations team to review laws that have come out to see what impact they have um, on the business. Um, I, but I think a big chunk of my work is actually working on product counseling, which is really ensuring that Google products comply with laws wherever we are. Right. Um, like if, you know, if we roll out, you know, Gmail in Kenya, we have to make sure that, you know, it doesn't, it complies with the relevant law, Data Protection Act, you know, right. consumer law and stuff like that. So my job is to, you know, advise the product teams and actually um, product counsel who are actually lawyers who work directly with the engineers and the product um, business teams to roll out these products other parts, in other parts of the world. So I, right. I give them the regional perspective. And your input comes in from the inception stage, really. I know Google is very big on compliance, as you say. It, I mean, as part of product development, they need a legal mind. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right? Yeah. Right yes, so around that table. yes, you're right. Sorry. So it, 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 it doesn't necessarily come from me because we have product counsel who are lawyers who work on the product. Right. Um, um, but it, uh, you know, it, there's always a lawyer in the in the journey, right? Yeah, and I come in at the point where you are trying to figure out uh, are, is the product, you know, can we roll out this product in Africa? So right. That's when I come in to you know to provide advice on that. Right. Legal yeah. advice. Yeah. I mean, sounds intense. I mean, the, the I guess the stereotype, the general idea out there is that you know, I mean practice outside in a law firm would be very, very intense, but then if you want a lighter role, in-house would be the thing for it. And from what you're saying, it sounds like it's equally intense. I mean, you've done both. You've done, you've practiced as a lawyer in a law firm of your yeah, own, and, yeah. and you're in-house. In would you confirm that stereotype? Yes, yes, I, I have. And, and you, um, it's busy with every, you know, wherever you Anywhere are. Anywhere you look yeah. at. So as I said, um, I, I, I think that, you know, as I said, I have really busy days. That is where I put in lots of hours and even will work over the weekends if there is crisis. Um, uh, and then the days when it's pretty light, you know, and, and I have time, I, I can leave work early and do other things. So it's, 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 uh, it, it can be busy. You know, but um, I, I kind of think, however, that in in-house you you have a little bit more control over your hours, you know, and over the amount of uh, over the way you work, as opposed to working as outside counsel. Because even though you have internal clients, um, uh, you know, that you're working with, usually you 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 are working towards the same thing. You have the same ethos, you know, and so you you understand how each of you works, as opposed to outside counsel where you are actually um, having to um, respond to your clients' needs. And remember, you have different clients. Who have different needs right. and who operate differently and so trying to manage that um, can be challenging so I think mm -hmm. that's the, the difference you know in that I think you have a little bit more um, uh, uh, control because um, you know your client more yeah you know, and you are you you, you have a yeah. working relationship with your client as opposed to outside counsel and let, let me ask you um, a, a technical question but when when you look at rolling out a product throughout Africa yeah. what what are the first questions that you ask you do you 
have a, a set of questions that you know already this is what i need to flag do you have it at your fingertips is it something that you need to research now or is it does it come naturally after a number of years it comes naturally yeah you know, because uh, so usually when you know people want to run a product i try to understand how does this product work mm -hmm. okay and then once i understand how the product works then i think okay yeah if we have to if this is how where the product works we have to worry about you know if we're collecting information uh, you know how does this apply when it comes to data data protection act you know um if we are dealing with the general public and consumers you know how does this apply when it comes to consumer law um if you're dealing with media you know how does this um uh, you know how, how how does this interact with the films and publications act you know how does it affect you know so yeah really it's it's understanding the product and then of course i have a general idea of the legal landscape yeah uh, actually not a general idea i have a pretty good idea of the legal landscape <laughs> yeah. yeah and so right away i i have a sense of what laws would apply but then um depending on how technical it is sometimes then i'll send it out to a specialist outside council yeah because you know i i spend my time doing lots of things i, I don't focus on only one you know only on only one thing so I, I might miss something which an outside council who spends 10 hours doing the same thing you know no, like, no back yeah, to back you know like for example it's a tax law issue yeah. i i know the basics of tax law but i, I generally i would usually send my work to a tax lawyer who spends yeah, right. half of their life you know reading the tax code as, as opposed to me who spends just you know a few hours reading mm. it i think the example that i have is when we're doing cross-border transactions and we need, we know that for example in rwanda they don't have a, a competition law so that's already mm. not an issue whereas in other jurisdictions they definitely have specific laws and you know labor laws are different in each country so yeah. it's about knowing the entire framework yeah. isn't it it's a lot of work isn't it Ife? It, it is it is but as i said if it's something you do every day it becomes natural like for, mm -hmm. for me sometimes i you know somebody tells me oh we want to do this and i'm right away I'm, I'm like okay you have to think about a b c d e but this is that's why i say i find that lawyers become more valuable the older you are and the more experienced you are because then you see things you know and and you learn from those things and you learn from those experiences and i always say that you know the older the more experience you have the more valuable you become and i think experience is key experience in, is so key in, in, in lawyering it's yeah. so key but there's one thing that that has changed over the time that i've practiced in yeah. the in the short 10-year period that i've practiced yeah. which is um having qualified in london communication between lawyers or even between clients was always a very formal yes and now with the younger lawyers coming in um they actually showed me you can text a client you can yes. whatsapp a client you yes. can send them a message and just get the get the information out there quickly which i thought was always an a faux pas you know, it was a no-no. Yes. I have to tell you, um, I, I actually recently, uh, maybe two, three years ago, had somebody in Nigeria serve me on WhatsApp. You know? And I was like, what? Are you sending me legal documents? <laughs> WhatsApp, yeah. well, I was like, I wish I would, had never given you my phone number. Yeah. You know? But it turns out that when I actually, so, so I actually questioned this and I challenged. I was like, why are you serving Service, me? yeah. Yes, but it turned out that actually um, in that instance, they, they could serve us on, on WhatsApp. Mm. And I think mm. recently... Uh, um, you maybe you guys know that recently even here in Kenya I think you really can serve people by email you know I don't know about what is that, is that you can you yeah, can yeah, yeah. Email, mm. on email I don't know if you can do this on whatsapp but I know that I had this instance in, in Nigeria where I was served on whatsapp and so now I was like now I have to worry about who I give my phone number, number two yeah, yeah that's, that's interesting so there, there are cha there are changes that yeah. experience can't give you but experience is definitely key yeah. Yeah. um I want to know over the time that you've practiced what has changed for you in in terms of how you do your how you carry out your practice yeah. um are you more patient with yourself are you more um, trusting with yourself is are your instincts better sharper what do you think 
Yeah, I, I think definitely my instincts are better and sharper, and and I see this with my um, uh, with my team. I have a team who are a, a bit have less experience, younger than me, you know, and they'll ask me questions, and I think myself, you know, this is easy, you know, and 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 it's really it's not easy because it's easy, it's easy because I've seen this before, and I've seen how it can, it can pan out. So I, I I think that you know that's a key thing. The other thing I've learned, I I, I and I don't know, it probably is the same all across the professions that I've had to be very very. Um, uh, uh, resilient and willing to learn new things because when I think about the products that I worked on five years ago, it's very different five years later. Mm -hmm. And when you work for a, a technology company, technology changes every day, yeah. and new issues are presented every day. And so you have to stay on top of things. You have to learn. You have to read. You have to understand how things work. Like now, you, you like for example, you know, I, I'm compared to my friends, I'm more savvy in social media. I'm more careful because I'm a lawyer because yeah. I like I, I'm careful about what I say because I don't want it to be used against me yeah. in evidence. Yeah. Yeah. But but I you know I'm pretty versatile and my friends are like if you are Amazon all these you know platforms I'm like yeah you know I'm comfortable with them but it's because of the environment in which I work I have no yeah. choice but yeah. to, to to remain engaged well I also have teenagers so I must remain engaged so that I know what they're doing <laughs> I want to talk a bit about you know being a working mother you've mentioned your teenagers how do you make it work I mean can you have it all this is something that I have just come to make my peace with um, recently because we all we we all grow up thinking you can have the perfect job and have the perfect family and be the perfect wife and perfect mother. No, it, it's unfortunately, I used to think that it was mostly um, a thing in the West because in Africa, you, you, you in many parts of the uh, of Africa, I, I know that because I'm in Africa and in Kenya and just generally across the continent, it's very, labor is cheap, so you can actually find, you know, uh, somebody to take care of your child. You can find a babysitter, you can find a housekeeper, you can find a nanny at an affordable rate. This is a different story, like in the U.S. It's a, it's a whole different story in the U.S. and, you know, and, 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 and you know, and Europe and North America and, and those places. Um, it's, it's, and so, basically, the, the job of taking care of your kids is almost 100% on the parents. Mm -hmm. As opposed to here in Africa, where we have a more communal, communal setup where you can mm -hmm. have grandmothers, aunties, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, and then you can also hire somebody to help you take care of the kids. So when I, I spent a huge, you know, chunk of my career in the U.S. and I used to, I struggled, it was tough, you know, to raise Because you had your children young and yes. in the U.S. Yes, in mm -hmm. the U.S. I had all of them in the U.S. And, yeah. and so my husband and I, we, we changed all the diapers of our kids. Nobody can say <laughs> mm. that <they're laughs> our kids like that. It's just I me love and that. my hubby and nobody else. Yeah. yeah, so it was really hard there. And so when I moved to Kenya five years ago, I thought, oh, now I can hire, uh, you know, a uh, housekeeper, nanny, uh, which I did, quite mm -hmm. a number. I had a full staff, okay, <laughs> to, to compensate for the years yeah, of having yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, now I can have it all. But no, um, like, it's it, it still, you still uh, will um, uh, lose, sacrifice something, you know, if you, 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 in, in either direction, yeah. either at work or at um, or as a mother. I'll give you an example. Um, I used to attend a um, um, annual meeting um, every summer around July in, in London. Uh, a, a Google meeting. A Google meeting. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and this is the same time, around the same time, because it's the same time every year, is about when my daughter has her birthday. Yeah. So I remember one year, I said, a, a year ago, I wrote her a message, said, hey, happy birthday, Lina. Um, I'll be home soon and we'll celebrate it. She says, yeah, mommy, thank you, mommy. I hope that one day you'll be um, home for my birthday. Oh, and no. I cried. You know, I, I'm a big grown woman, but yeah. I cried yeah. because I just felt like I failed her. You know? yeah. And uh, I have a heavy, I, 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 well, before COVID, I used to have a, quite a 
heavy travel schedule. And uh, to be honest, every day I left and went to the airport, I felt guilty mm-hmm. because it meant I missed certain moments in my children's life. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. But I need to make those trips to be able to be a good lawyer, to meet my clients' needs and to do a good job. But then in the same way, it meant that I didn't, um, I wasn't there for something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have, I continually lived a life of guilt. That once you recognize that it's not perfect, then you, you decide where you want to make the trade-offs. And then, then you move ahead. Because right. no, life's not perfect anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so we also have mutual friends in common. And mm. uh, I know you have a very good set of girlfriends. How, I mean, how are they your sounding board? Are they the people that you tend to? Are they the people you party with? Yes. Do you yeah, party? Yeah, yes, yeah, of course. Life is short. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I, yeah, so I, I actually have lots of friends. And, and I, I keep good relationships. Interesting enough, I, I'm the more... I, I'm the person who maintains relationships really through meetups. So I actually make time to meet up with my friends. I'm not great on yeah. text, okay? Yeah. I, and, and on the converse, my husband's great on text. So whenever we have common friends, usually he, he's in charge of texting the friends <laughs> yeah. and responding to the text. Yeah. Because I'm not great on text. But I, I find that I'm better, um, I'm better with phone calls and meetups. And when I traveled a lot, I was able to actually maintain my friendships across, you know, the U.S. and different places where I had friends. Because every time I go, I would actually reach out to and people. make a point yeah, to to meet mm-hmm. up. With them. Mm-hmm. I I'm big on making time to meet with people, you know. And, mm-hmm. and so usually I have friends who I won't see in three four years. And then we will meet and it will be like we were never apart, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I also think social media makes things, um, in a way, it makes things easier because you know what people are doing. Um, in a way, it's also a, a difficult thing because then, then you don't check on them because you know how they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so that's, that's a disadvantage. But I, I make efforts to whenever I can have in-person meetings as opposed to, I'm not the texting type. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I think we can talk a little bit about tech and law. Um, Jerry. Um, yeah, let's go ahead. I just had a few a few questions here. I mean, the world is changing dramatically. Um, I think 2020 was the most dramatic year, Uh, but the changes had begun well before that. We're beginning to see a lot more um, of of technology is filtering into a number of um, industries and sectors. Mm-hmm. We're seeing government moving more towards provision of services through electronic means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have your e-citizen, you have mm-hmm. your NTSA applications for driver's licenses happening online. When I did my driver's test, I had to actually go fill out a form and apply, but yeah. now that's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. So the technology is really transforming industries, sectors, government service delivery, and all that. Yeah. How do you see technology affecting legal practice going mm-hmm. forward. We've seen meetings, I think the obvious thing is that meetings are moved online for everyone mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. Do you see the lawyer's role becoming um, more diminished and people relying more on technology and how can we as lawyers position ourselves for this change? I have to say, lawyers are very, very conservative and right. I think it has taken a, a big event like COVID for lawyers to realize that actually you need to keep up with the times right. i think that very I, true yeah i think mm-hmm. that most other professions have been um, more receptive mm-hmm. of the changes in technology but in lawyers we we still want to present paper documents we want um, yeah. to have ink signatures you know and that, we, we don't want electronic um, right. signatures yeah. right. we, we we i think lawyers have been very very slow to take up um uh, technology and to embrace it mm. but the reality really as you have said is that 
if you don't embrace it, then you're going to fall off the, the wayside. You know? Yeah. Right. I, I think we have no choice but to embrace it, even in the ways that we do it. Because because of technology, it means that certain things can be done more efficiently. And um, for example, you, 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 I was reading a few years ago about how, uh, you know, the, well, and this is a few years ago of where there was software, already a few years ago where they had software that could review documents. You know? Right, right. Yeah, um, you know, like a very basic, um, you know, um, common documents, you know, that, that you, you, really you wouldn't need a lawyer to look at uh, those documents. Mm. And so I, I remember um, attending a meeting where the question was like, oh my God, if there's software doing this, is there any uh, room for lawyers? There is room for lawyers. It means we have to change the ways that which in we, uh, the ways in which we work. We have to change the points at which we um, uh, provide value, you know? So right. maybe we are, not, we are not going to be reviewing, you know, documents, okay? But we, we, our, we have a greater role in negotiation, you know? We have a greater role yeah. in crafting new deals, you know, yeah. which embrace technology. Think about something like blockchain. It's new, you know right. what I mean? How you know those are new types of contracts. Yeah. So we have to find ways to work with new types of contracts. You know, right. understand the the new concepts and stuff like that. Yeah. So the truth of the matter is there's really is you you things cannot be business as usual we must change we must find ways to find value there is room for lawyers because in the end technology is really managing in, in, in when it comes to legal work is really managing rights and liabilities and you know responsibilities between human beings you know yeah. what I mean? and human beings are unpredictable they still remain unpredictable and therefore I, a machine you know technology can't solve all the problems there's still room for us to add value yeah you know, where we can be able to help negotiate navigate you know disputes and that kind of stuff you know that technology wouldn't be able to do so i i think that would be okay i think we will have jobs for a long time but i just think that they will not be the, the job the jobs that we had you know before and we will not necessarily work in the same way who would have thought that now you'd have been presenting um before the court through you know uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A, 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 a platform like you know Meet or a, or or I think Teams or whatever platform you're using. Yeah. Would have known that you'd be speaking to the mm-hmm. judge that way. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's new. It's the truth of the matter is it's happened like that in a lot of jurisdictions. It's been slower to pick up in Kenya, but now we have no choice but to to do it. Yeah. Right. I think actually, I mean, out of the African jurisdictions, Kenya is doing very well in that space. Our our infrastructure is there uh, to enable us to do it. Yeah. Um, so I think we're, we're winning that battle slowly. But I think for lawyers, it's about knowing where, where to plug in, as you've yes. just, as you've correctly stated, um, where we can add, really add value in yeah. a changing world. Um, what, what is your relation? What, what kind of relationship do you want to have with your your outside counsel? What, what, what are the values that you you see significantly that they can add to your work? Okay. Load. So, so uh, increasingly, um, as in-house counsel, I have to be a business partner. Right. Yeah. Gone are the days where the lawyer is a gatekeeper, where your job is to say yes, no, right. yes, no. Yeah. It doesn't work like that mm-hmm. anyway. The, the, what, what my clients want, the my internal clients want me to do is to tell them, how do we do this product or how do we do this project in a way that is legal and complies with relevant rules and regulations? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And does not does not expose us to any enforcement action from whoever regulators or whoever, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know who would be exposed to. So it means that you're, you're a business partner. You have to work with them and be creative in the way you think about things. You know. So for me, I want outside counsel who are helping me in my role as a business partner to the client, okay? And I want outside counsel who are able to think outside the box, who are actually solution-oriented, they, they solution oriented. They, they problem solve us, uh, and they provide solutions. Yeah. I, I don't want lawyers who say to me, no, you can't do this, and then they say, the story finished. Right. <laughs> tell, I want you to tell me, no, you can't do this, but you can, I, I, I can see you're trying to achieve 
X. Right. You can actually achieve X through a different way, okay? And so your project can be Yeah, so you have to come yeah. from a place of yes. Yeah, it's yeah, possible. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So you have to come from a place of trying to find a solution. It's not a place of of being a gatekeeper. For for a long time, lawyers have been gatekeepers. Right. And it, it, for me, I I think that I want outside counsel to help me find solutions, help me to you know, help me help my business uh, operate in a legal way. Right. Right. And and you know, I mean, it's an increasingly uh, more regulated environment, the technology space. I mean, as things move on towards um, uh, being more digital yeah. and relying more on technology and all that, a number yeah. of risks um, begin to arise. Cybersecurity becomes a very big concern. Yeah. People are more um, aware about their rights to privacy and things of that nature. Yeah. And we're beginning to see law evolve to catch up yeah. and regulate those spaces. Yeah. And, and those are, I imagine, quite um, significant areas for your business yeah. and, and the company that you work for, Google. Yeah. So what's your approach towards these areas? Because you're a very innovative company. Is it a more um, risk-averse approach, or are you likely to, to sort of push the boundaries a, a, a bit more? Um, tell us a, a little bit about that. So um, I, I wouldn't say that you, you have a one-fits-all approach to, mm. to doing work, you know. It's always going to depend on the circumstances. I, I always say people really hate it when, when you ask a lawyer a question, they say it depends. I say, <laughs> it, depends. it depends on the set of facts mm. that are presented before you. Yeah. It depends on the circumstances, really. Yeah. And it, it, no circumstances are going to be the same. Um, I, I think, um, so I wouldn't tell you that there's a particular approach that we use. It's going to depend on, on what set of facts is before me. Um, what I can say, though, is that um, uh, technology moves very fast. It changes very fast. Right. And I think that... Um, it, 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 it therefore it presents a challenge for lawmakers okay and, and people who do yeah. rules and regulations yeah. because the reality is that a lot of the time uh, the, when the laws are passed um, uh, they will they will re be relevant but for a very short time mm -hmm. yeah. because technology is going to change yeah. and then in several instances you're going to find situations where uh, you you have a, a product you want to rule out and there's just absolutely no law that applies to it yeah. you know, yeah. in, in place mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or, or the laws that they are trying to apply to this product is are so archaic you know like for a long time i remember until we you know we you know in the last few years we've had lots of laws passed in kenya within the technology space this is right. very recent the last four or five years yeah right. i remember i've had instances where people are trying to uh, um yeah to apply the penal code to a, a technology issue and yeah. like, i mean really how is this not gonna work <laughs> yeah you know, it's, yeah they're two different things yeah so that is uh, remains a challenge for the lawmakers uh, and the regulators because they have to ensure that their laws are flexible enough to to absorb new change and growth you know yeah so yeah so do you do um lobbying as well yes so do you do do you work with uh, lawmakers in order to, for that to happen so we have a government relations team yeah. that works very closely with lawmakers mm. you know and and so whenever whenever we have you know new rules being proposed we will engage you know through yeah. different industry organizations so yeah quite a number like i think Kepsa, Kepsa, yeah. yeah and a few others right. um and also maybe sometimes they regulate the uh, regulator directly just to you know give them our views on how we think this would work mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, what I have seen that is very, very innovative, I think I saw this in Mauritius and I've seen it in a few other jurisdictions where they have this sandbox license. Yes. Right. Where, if, you know, I think we, which is a great idea where they say, okay, you know, we don't quite know how this is going to pan out, right. but we let you try it out and then we'll figure it out. Yeah, so yeah. the Capital Markets Authority currently has a sandbox for fintech. Oh, and so they've, fintech. they've been rolling it out from like 2018. Right. Oh, yeah. that's excellent. So just yeah. so that people yeah. can play in it, yeah. figure yes. it out, and then, yeah. 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 So I think those are very innovative ways to deal with this problem of changing technology and you know, I think I think it's it's a thing for also the you know, it, it, in the end, 
it, it, it needs a concerted effort, both yeah. from the industry mm -hmm. and the government, to ensure that we have you know ro uh, rules and regulations that are relevant and that are actually res free, uh, respond to the market. Yeah. In the end, you you also you also don't want a renegade market. You want to have you know clear procedures and processes because you have to protect the consumer. So there should be laws, you know, but yeah. we have to make sure that they are there are laws that make sense. Google being a, a multinational company with yeah. presence all over the world, Europe, um, jurisdictions particularly like Europe where data protection um, regulation is quite advanced yeah. and, and you're based in, Google is based um, in, in, in Ireland, a jurisdiction that has a very strong data protection yeah. commission. Yeah. We're just moving into a space in Kenya and much of Sub-Saharan Africa that you yeah. cover where data protection laws are now being put into place slowly by slowly. In yeah. 2020, we saw a lot of you know, um, stuff coming into place in Kenya. The Data Protection Commissioner um, appointed in South Africa. We saw um, Poppy coming into force mm -hmm. um, all in 2020. Mm -hmm. I just want um, to get your insight on this. What do you think um, companies in, in Sub-Saharan Africa are not so used to data protection regulation. What do you think are the practical steps that companies in this space can, can do um, to ensure that they are more compliant and that they, they, they catch up based on your insight from other jurisdictions yeah. and Google's basically um, Google's familiarity with such sort of regulations. Yeah, so I, I think first of all uh, as a company you must understand how your company works and understand your company's product Right. and then uh, understand the law take time to actually understand the, the data protection act, what it says and how it applies to your company's um, product and how it applies to how your company works. Right. Once you have a clear understanding of that and then of course then you work on the compliance now, if you have instances where um, you know uh, you, you know you, you you you're not clear where you should compare, at that point you should engage with the regulator. I right. think I, I think gone are the days where we let the regulator do their, do their own thing and, and you the, right. company, the industry did their own thing. I think that really it's 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 a partnership. You know, right. it's it's not an antagonistic relationship. It's a partnership to work together to ensure you have the right ecosystem, the right uh, regulatory regime to ensure success of everybody. The consumer right. is protected, and you as a company are able to grow. You know, in in in, our, in in an environment that is enabling. So, you know, I, I really think it's understanding your product, understanding the law, and uh, you know, ensuring that you have engagement as needed. Right. I mean, of course, complying. Right. <laughs> I mean, those are very practical steps. I mean, regulator engagement is a, is a key aspect. Yeah. I think for for any player, any stakeholder. Yeah. In, in in and I mean, data protection all cuts across every sector. You know yeah. what I mean? So I was gonna say, you know, depending on the sector you're in, but really, this is a cross cutting cross cutting law. So, what sort of compliance challenges do you think um, Af sub com companies in sub-Saharan Africa will, will face in, in respect to such a law. Some people say um, the right to privacy and, and data protection and you know personal data is not a very African concept. Um, it's more of a European concept and all that. Do you think that's a valid um, argument or valid proposition? And, and what challenges do you specifically see guys facing? So I, I think that uh, I, I think law um evolves differently in different parts of the world mm. and I think culture is a thing or is, is a key thing and I, I think the reality is that we won't know until we try mm. you know what I mean okay I agree with yeah, that mm -hmm. yeah so uh, I, I, I don't want to try and be the pro prophetess to say yeah. why <laughs> the issues are you know but what, you don't what, have what, a crystal ball yeah, somewhere yeah, yeah I don't have a crystal ball to say what, what, what will, uh, you know right. what will show up in the future but I think that what we have found that um, in the end uh, a lot of what, have, what regulators have done in, in, in you know I find in a lot of parts of Africa is actually um, uh, it, it really copy the laws that they see in other parts of the world. Right. Okay? 
and um, in some instances it works, in some instances it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. But you know, and and I, I always say I don't want to be too hard on the regulators because you have to start somewhere. Okay? Right. What what I say is that I think we need to ensure that we are flexible enough to make changes where changes need to be made. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you know, and and for us to be able to say, okay, you have said that this is how this works here. We've tried this for two years. This is the way the it, it's it's shown up in this ecosystem yeah, or in mm-hmm, this environment. Mm-hmm. These are the changes we need to make. Right. So I think that, that what, what, what we need a bit of flexibility on both sides, you know, on the industry side and the regulator side, to see how it works. But the truth of the matter is, we have to start somewhere, and we have to expect that there will be there'll be a few issues. You know what I mean? Be, because you're right, the concept of privacy is is very very different. I think about how when I go to the bank, someone is on my back touching me, after <laughs> my face, giving me some space. You know? And then I a bit like parts of the world in the US where everyone's keeping you a foot away from me, and you wonder, yeah. oh my God, is there something wrong with me? You know? Right. Yeah. And that's just a culture you know yeah. so privacy is a big deal there whereas here in kenya you know i i see how people very very easily give their private information you know on, at, the, yeah. at the security stand you give your name right. your id number your Correct. telephone number right. you know very freely even about your mother's name your father's name <laughs> yeah. and you don't think twice about it and right. this, you know and and, and and that's the culture we have in, in in other parts of the world you you try to ask that people say why why, why do i need to yeah, yeah. Exactly. so so the, the, yeah you're right culture is is a thing um and and the truth of is that um we have to just start see how it affects and then make the changes i, I also think uh, the truth of the matter is that as the years go by, as the world becomes global, and uh, we, we will change accordingly. The reason why um, um, privacy is treated differently is because people have had different experiences with how their personal information Exactly. Right. And, and you know, as the world becomes global, you find that, you know, um, uh, things become the same. Yeah. You know, things become similar, and, and, and therefore people begin to build norms that react to whatever they experience, you know? Right. So it's possible that maybe 10 years from now, people will be, you know, in Kenya, people will be asking, why? Why am I giving you I actually really like, people build norms around what they've experienced. And I think yeah. that's a very, that's a very, um, it's a succinct way of, of, of talking about data protection because the issue came about when people's information started being sold, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the the, 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 the issue, yeah. that's not an issue that people maybe have experienced in Africa necessarily mm. to yeah. know that it's an issue for them now. Yeah. yeah? yeah. But it, it will become an issue as, as we know things that's a very good point yeah yeah i mean i could totally agree with you um i think it's also kind of reflected in in the sort of penalties that are there um outside africa mm-hmm. um even i mean as you said we did borrow quite a bit um yeah. from from foreign laws but one area that we not borrow or mm-hmm. copy directly was the penalties mm-hmm. right and i think that was a reflection of the sort of premium people put on their privacy rights mm-hmm. um in europe as opposed to as opposed to um here in kenya mm-hmm. the, the penalties are not that high um at all um so let's uh, move on um to what you see for the future we're in 2021 it's a new year um we're hoping um to get past the pandemic mm-hmm. no one knows no one has a crystal ball mm-hmm. but um we need to prepare. I'm working with Muremi's uh, April 2021 <laughs> theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he thinks by April 2021, yeah. yeah. What um, do you think, um, if he... So I have to tell you, this is the first year I have made no resolutions. Because 2020, <laughs> oh nothing happened according to plan. Yeah. yeah. So I said this year, I want to take a, in Kenya you say, wasi wasi approach, wait and see, wait and see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to wait and see. Um, 
yeah I, I to be honest I think for me the key word for this year really and, and the key thing is to be resilient to be ready for whatever happens and be ready to respond and change and adapt right that, that's what it is being ready to adapt that's the only way you you will survive such times you know? yeah mm-hmm. so and, and to accept that things change yeah. and when things change we have to adapt like you know I, I don't know if there's going to be a day when you know I don't know w- w- when the end date for COVID is yeah. who knows you know but but life must continue and right. so we must change and uh, learn and, and do things differently you know and, and adapt but still be able to live life yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so you mentioned resilience i guess that as your keyword for yeah. 2021 going yes. forward is that um let's expect the, ba- the 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 worst out of this and prepare for that or is that a very negative approach is there any room for hope yes. or, or optimism yes. this year resilience means <laughs> Hope for the best, but right. prepare for the, the worst. worst. <laughs> I, I think that's yeah. a beautiful way to put it. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think resilience means that whatever happens, be prepared for it, right? Yeah. right. And I think that's a perfect way to end this um, podcast. Hope thank you so much. Yeah, is, thank yeah. you so much, Ife, and for giving us so many gems, so many pearls of wisdom, yeah. uh, and for making the time for us in this crazy, crazy world that we live in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Ife. This has been great. Really Thank appreciate you, you coming over. Thanks for having me. It was such a great conversation. <laughs> Thank <Sana>. you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, see you next, you guys, see you next month and um, find us on at Jerry Talks on Instagram, at KT Advocates on their website. And uh, if you want to email us, jerrytalks at gmail.com.